Hello, gentle listener, and welcome to Michael and Ethan in a Room with Scotch. I am your host, Michael Lilienthal, and with me today is my guest, Ethan Bartlett. Hello. And we're going to talk about books, but not about Scotch. And today uh, on this special, we're going to talk about homework. Yes, we're going to do your homework for you. Uh, Ethan and I know uh, very well how um, uh, how hard English homework is, uh, and um, so one of we we decided to take a look at one of the more common assignments uh, in like American literature courses or just you know English courses in general, uh, and that is the book Huck Finn: The Adventures of Huckleberry Finn by Mark Twain. Uh, and so what we're going to do for you here is we're going to present a couple of theories that you can take uh, in your final research paper, uh, present those to your teacher, uh, free of charge. We, you can take them for free from us. Yeah, we, there we, are, as, as we always say at the end of our episodes, we condone plagiarism. There are a lot of, you know, these, these sorts of uh, mills that will end up in your... For some reason, they usually get caught in my spam box, or they did historically, where they were like, hey, pay us some money and we'll... Write a write a paper for you so you can party more because you're 19 and binge drinking is definitely what you should be doing to your body. Um, they always say that like that exact copy specifically. It's weird. Uh, mm-hmm. But here, like we're we're uh, kind of you know undercutting people like that. We're uh, we're just gonna give this away for free. Exactly, exactly, absolutely for free. So you can take these theories, you know, put your own spin on them if you want to, but yeah, turn them into your teachers and uh, go for it. It'll be great. Um, now, true to form, on this podcast, we, we include our drinking along with it, but on this these specials that we do in between our regular books, uh, we, we don't drink scotch, typically. I'm not going to tell Ethan what to drink, and he's not going to tell me what to drink. Uh, so, Ethan, what are you drinking? Um, I'm actually pretty excited about mine tonight. Uh, it was a discovery on a on a liquor store run recently. I am drinking mm. loose red breast <gasps> uh, single pot still Irish whiskey, uh, specifically the Loostow edition or Lustow. I'm Loostow. I'm sure I'm mispronouncing that that uh, name. Um, yeah, so red breast, of course, uh, is a a very famous mm-hmm. whiskey. The I believe Red Breast twelve year old uh, won best mm-hmm. best whiskey in the world um, by one of the major whiskey critics. Uh, won that a few years ago. Ever since then, the single pot still style has uh, been sort of exploding in circles of people who like whiskey. Um, the if anyone listened to, I guess that was the Tristram Shandy run of episodes. Uh, Green Spot is mm-hmm. another. Single pot mm-hmm. still Irish whiskey that I like right. quite a bit. Um, I've always liked Redbreast, but uh, I tried the Lustau Lustau bottling um, or or Lustau finish um, when I and here we go. Uh, I should probably be losing this podcast already, except we haven't set this rule <laughs> even in the main shows. But when I was in Dublin, uh, I did. And uh, I found just downtown there was a it was a little whiskey bar. It's literally probably a smaller space than my you know last apartment that I lived in, um, but it had like a hundred and fifty whiskeys, and uh, I was just looking for one that was like a little bit of a splurge, uh, and also one that I didn't think I could maybe find in the states. And um, the bartender uh, sort of 
guided me towards uh, this pour. And in the year and a half uh, since you know coming back to to the states, I had not found it. Um, and so I just happened to be in a liquor store, not even looking for it. I had kind of given up on it, and there it was. Um, and it wasn't even it wasn't even like because what I was expecting was like is you know small batch of a single pot whiskey like it's gonna be you know two hundred dollars even if I do find it um it was mm. not it was like roughly the same price as like the standard red breast 12 year was so um mm-hmm. I was I was uh pretty pleased to to learn all of that um so Lustau, I keep saying and I'm sure butchering that name uh they're renowned as a maker of sherries and so this this ah. bottling of Redbreast was was finished in their sherry casks. That's why it's called the the Lustau edition. Um, Very good. So yeah, I'm I'm uh, quite excited about that. Michael, Indeed. what are you drinking tonight? Well, I do want to just uh, tack on to your discussion of Redbreast there that I have had the Redbreast twelve yeah. year. Yeah, it's uh, very nice. I think. Um, I think. And also, while you were talking, I looked up pronunciation on the the. the um edition for it and it sounds very irish the way it's pronounced uh at least in this audio sure. clip it's lustai oh okay yeah so. that could that could be like right or that could be like a, a very distinct irish dialect pronunciation right that's what i was wondering if it's just dialectic anyway uh, yeah so very good i'm very jealous that looks amazing I, well i i will try if you were here right now i would be making you drink it I bet, uh-huh. I bet, but you can't make me drink anything on <laughs> I was, this special edition. I was also going to say, I think I actually, <laughs> the, I think the first place I had Redbreast was at your place. I think you had a... Oh, that make that might be, that might be. Was... I feel like I saved some, because we had it uh, when we moved, and I think I feel like I saved some. Yeah, something like that. It was, yeah, it was like extracurricular to the, the recording we were doing that weekend, but it was it was very good. Right. So, good. what are you uh, drinking? I am drinking um, just a, I guess you'd call it a punch, maybe. Um, it's not anything specific that I looked up a recipe for. It just tastes yummy. Uh, it has um, some bu- uh, bourbon, some vodka, and pineapple juice. Ooh, That's yeah. it. And it's it's very tasty. Sounds like it could be quite dangerous, too. Yeah, you know, like um, Long Island iced tea, dangerous, yeah. where it's just like packed with liquor, but it's so sweet that you just yeah, well, yeah, because like right, dip, right back the the that vodka will like smooth out any of the burn in the bourbon, and then the uh, the pineapple exactly. juice will stretch it out, but and sweeten it. So yeah, you'll just ooh yeah okay. Well, uh, mm-hmm. This, this mm-hmm. could be an interesting so. episode. Well, I mean, we'll all our episodes are interesting. <laughs> Of course they are. Every single one of them is gold. <laughs> I'm smiling. Yeah, well, I, I can tell you're smiling. It's, oh, okay. it's going to be, it's gonna be uh, an interesting, sort of interesting to see if the gentle listener can uh, get there. Right, right. Well, if they can hear it in my voice. <laughs> um, but that's all right, not... so there are no rules. Oh, no on this broken me <laughs> podcast so uh am ethan uh and skunk thank you i love it
I couldn't make anything clink satisfactorily, but I just I just beat my microphone with my glass. There you go. <laughs> I thought uh, I felt yes, so we... something come out of my microphone, like a, a wave of force. Mm. So it's good to know what that yep, was. That's sorry. Go on. Yep. It was it was this cocktail thing. Um, <laughs> all right. So we are going to be discussing Huckleberry Finn, uh, specifically um, out outside the normal format of our episodes. Um, so we are going to limit ourselves to two theories, one theory a piece, and those theories uh, are we being presented to our uh, our audience specifically with who are in English classes, American lit classes especially. Take these theories and present them to your professors. Uh, so, with that in mind, Ethan, you have your theory. I do, and I have my theory. You do. Um, so. I'm going to give you the chance, Ethan, to start us off, present your theory for the meaning, the the, the true understanding, uh, the deep discussion of The Adventures of Huckleberry Finn by Mark Twain. The deeper meaning, as we, as we ought. The Eng- deeper meaning. We English the majors deeper meaning. always wait, said. Wait. Yes, yes, the, the, that. Um, wait, is that actually I, I, the I phrase that's used? I want you to give me the, the motive, the true motive. Uh, I want you to find the moral, and I want you to tell me the plot. Oh, oh, I see. I see how it is. Trying to trying to <laughs> trap me right off, uh, because what I think you would like, if I can find it in my copy here, uh, what I think you would like is for me to be prosecuted, banished, and shot. <laughs> Um, which like, I know that I, like, that's always been the subtext of this podcast. So that's what we both want for each other. But I, I, I guess I'm a little shocked to find you just trying to so blatantly lay such a, such a trap for me. Um, was it blatant? Cause I thought I was being pretty subtle. You were just too smart. Uh, well now you're trying to like, give me compliments to sort of distract me from being mad at you for this. And well, it will work. I'm now mad at you for the fact that you knew that would work. So I feel like you've <laughs> sort of broken even here. Definitely. <laughs> um, now that said, uh, uh, I shall uh, let bygones be bygones. These things happened okay. seconds in the past, and I definitely won't dwell on them for years while coming up with increasingly elaborate um revenge plots uh oh, you haven't started those yet well not for this incident oh i have plenty okay. for all the other incidents it's gonna be kind of like a rube goldberg thing by the oh. time i get done with it like you'll get you'll get dropped from a from a height and then like batted by by a by a paddle and you'll fall into a large hamster ball and that will roll off another thing, and that will crack you like an egg, and then you'll be an omelet by the end. I don't know. Um, so you're hungry. Uh, <laughs> I went to I did I went to House on the Rock today, so that's a also bodes well for the rest of this episode. But B, I, I did walk past their like model of a Rube Goldberg machine. So, and it and I think it was either cracking an egg or making an omelet. So yeah, that's behind the 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 magic. That's where I got my inspiration. Um, Love it. So, all right, my enough enough uh, 
uh, pussyfooting around, as, 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 as the kids say. Yeah, dilly-dallying and, and whatnot. Um, we're here to discuss very serious theories. Uh, and um, we're, you've graciously allowed me to start with my theory, which is, of course, that Huckleberry Finn is Don Quixote. Um, <clears throat> what? Yeah, well, it's... So it's one of those things that sounds kind of out of left field when I when I say it, but like um, I'm gonna I'm gonna walk you through. I had to like give mm-hmm. the shocking thing to draw you in, and now now we're back to the to the beginning. Um, so this, and I do have to give credit. Uh, this the original part of this theory uh, was a theory of my wife's actually, uh, Karen, who mm-hmm. um, you know longer time listeners will know uh as the voice of the rules of this podcast um Mm -hmm. well she hit me once with a theory and it it, she didn't even sort of phrase it as a theory she i believe began the sentence with the phrase it's obvious um (laughs) that's always a pretty troubling way for one's wife to begin a sentence but um she said Mm -hmm. it's obvious that Huckleberry Finn has a crush on Tom Sawyer's sister, Mary. And she thought it was mm-hmm. obvious from the text of this book, just like what's on the page. Um, and I, uh, now to my, to my shame, now that it has become, you know, actual material for my podcast, to my shame, mm-hmm. I did reject this theory pretty thoroughly and soundly. Um, partly because her, ba- like, Mary Mary Sawyer, I assume her last name is, is Sawyer. Um, she, well, because Tom, like, Tom technically lives with his aunt, so I, anyway, I, I think it's, I think it's Sawyer. That's true. But whatever. Uh, Tom's sister Mary is, uh, Mentioned, as far as I can tell, and I did literally minutes of research um, about this uh, in preparation for this for this podcast. But as far as I can tell, she's mentioned twice uh, in Tom Sawyer, mm-hmm. and both of those times are it's basically the beginning and like more or less the end. Um, so, but you know, it, part, partly based on that, it's like, well, if that was something, there would be more of it. I I did reject this theory. Um, mm-hmm. But what? So Karen's logic was. Let me let me see if I can get this straight. So most young boys, when they hit like that that age of puberty, um, they will like start to develop crushes on people. And quite often mm-hmm. they develop crushes on like people they're already familiar with or comfortable with, uh, and like Tom's sister, and, and they often you know get like it, in our society it's sort of the the crush on the babysitter trope, right? You at that age you for whatever reason you mm-hmm. sometimes get crushes on like like young women who are like a few years older, um, not old enough to be adults, but old enough to be like older older kids or whatever. Right. So, uh, Karen's 
assertion was that Mary is like the closest uh, person like that to Huck and the person that Huck is probably the most comfortable having a crush on and therefore the most likely to develop a crush on and therefore he has a crush on her. Now, I considered this logic questionable at best um, Mm -hmm. for reasons that I am told were bad uh and but so i you know in the in the way that that the the sort of manic way that one perhaps unwisely does when one's wife has a theory i uh just sat down and started looking through uh this book for references to the name mary and the easiest way to do that in today's technological age of course is um to find the project gutenberg ebook and just do mm-hmm. a a find the control f type in mary um etc so glad you use the keyboard shortcut uh yeah thank you um this is this is not darknet diaries so we won't talk anymore about that but i i do appreciate your, <laughs> your uh, approbation there um okay now when I when I control F for the name Mary in this book, to my surprise, considering I was pretty sure she was like a not really ever on stage character who just was mentioned a couple times, I found sixty four references to the name Mary. Uh, and some of them are like in the you know chapter summaries and and so forth, uh, mm-hmm. and. Um, so, yeah, so that, that was a surprising number of Marys. Um, so the, the first, of course, like Marys, now, like, the only real sort of indication that, uh, Karen's theory might hold water that I was willing to admit right off the bat is the fact that Mary's mentioned in literally the first paragraph of the book. Um, uh-huh. ooh, wow, I just, I just had like a shudder because I, because I, like someone walked over yeah. your grave. Or like I lost a podcast, but uh, technically, technically <laughs> I didn't. Um, those are pretty much the same feeling. Uh, yeah, yeah. So, yeah. Mentioned twice in the first paragraph by. In, in yes. Um, so I, I won't. I won't read the whole thing, but the back half of the first paragraph, Huck says, "I never seen anybody but lied one time or another without it was Aunt Polly or the widow or maybe Mary." Um, and then he. The second time he mentions her is just to say that uh, those ladies are all told about in that book, meaning The Adventures of Tom Sawyer. Um, mm-hmm. Now, uh, and I think, I actually think that's, that was part of Karen's support for her own theory also was that Mary was mentioned, like, mentioned in that list. Like, Huck went out of his way mm-hmm. to mention Mary the, the way that you... Uh, uh, might when you are talking about someone that you have a crush on um now i said that this means that it's equally likely huck had a crush on aunt polly or the widow douglas and then i slept on the couch that night um Mm -hmm. so uh yeah so we we again we have a little bit of of there's something there that mary's mentioned in the first in the first paragraph there um so then, uh, the next sort of significant 
Mary's she is in one scene that I had forgotten about, but um, it's again it, she's just sort of part of a, a crowd. Uh, the next mention of Mary is, or rather, the name Mary is in chapter I believe it's chapter chapter eleven. Now this is after Huck has set out on his adventures and he, dressed as a girl, has come to stay overnight with with this like. I think he describes her as like a widow woman or a anyway a woman living on her own, um, and uh, in order to to convince her to uh, let him stay with her, he gives her a fake name and um, she says, "Yeah, yeah, whatever, you can stay overnight and uh, stuff." Um, and the next morning, of course, uh, the woman asks him. Uh, the what name what what he said his name was, of course you know she thinks he's a he's a little girl. Um, and Huck, having said Sarah the night before, uh, he says uh, Mary Mary Williams. Um, and then of course we have the great vaudeville bit of him, her the 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 woman he's staying with saying I I thought you said your name was Sarah. And he says, oh, yes, ma'am, I did. Sarah Mary Williams. Which, you know, that's... Um, if that seems like a tired joke now, it's because Twain invented it and everyone else copied it. But, um... Right. Uh, so... <laughs> right. Uh, so, it, it, now it's, it's starting... Now I'm starting to think, like, what if, as every single other time I question her, uh... My, it turns out that my wife is right, um, because like it's mm-hmm. it seems like even more support that Huck goes to the name Mary when he's like flustered. Like that's the first name that comes to his mind. Um, right. It's on. It's in the in his thoughts. It's it's at the forefront of his imagination. Exactly. So, it's it's a defining feature of his character. Exactly. Or it's at least how he defines his character when when put on the spot, when told with little thinking, to define who he is. He goes exactly. to Mary. Um. Now, uh. So there there are a couple mentions of of Marys or Highland Marys or the uh the two syllables Mary at the end of the word customary, and I did I decided to sort of elide those because you know you can't sure not every data point is relevant um right but uh the next significant mention of the name mary we get uh starts in chapter 24 and this has to do with sort of the extended sequence where um it involves the king and the the characters of the king and the duke uh Mm -hmm sort of crashing a funeral pretending to be the the long-lost brothers of the deceased because they have uh understood that there's some money to be gained so they're sort of imposturing to this to this family right um in order Mm -hmm. to sort of swindle them out of out of their inheritance uh well um we Again, this is the next mention of the next significant, I would say, mention of the name Mary, um, of this this family, the the bereft family of the uh, uh, the 
the dead brother, um, one of his daughters who stand to be, you know, disinherited and presumably impoverished if, uh, if the king and the duke successfully pull off their swindle, swindle, um, one of the daughters of the family is named Mary Jane, and she's specifically, uh, mentioned as 19 years old, um, and Huck first, so she's mentioned in chapter 24 when the king and the duke, uh, pumped this, this rube, I forget his connection, but they, they pump him for information, mm-hmm. uh, as sort of the, the setup of this, this con or this heist or whatever, um, but we actually meet the family in chapter 25, and here is Huck's uh, description of that. When we got to the house, the street in front of it was packed, and the three girls was standing in the door. Mary Jane was redheaded, but that don't make no difference. Um, I didn't realize the like redheads don't have souls thing went back as far as 1884. Uh, <laughs> yeah, but here right. we are. Um, Mary Jane was redheaded, but that don't make no difference. She was most awful beautiful, and her face and her eyes was all lit up like glory. She was so glad her uncles was come. Uh, so, it, again, we have a we have a you know nineteen year old uh, uh, beautiful young woman named Mary, and like. Obviously, this is meant to be a completely different character from Tom's sister. Uh, you know, that, that uh, sure. um, like this, you know, the, on the surface, um, unless you're a literary genius like me, um, you, you wouldn't you'd right. think there wasn't any connection there. Now, however, uh, I... I, being a literary genius, um, uh, and humble, um, I thought of the fact that famously Huckleberry Finn is, uh, certainly not the first, but perhaps the, the best known example of the literary technique of the unreliable narrator. Um, Mm -hmm. he, uh, he gets things, you know, he, he self-contradicts, he gets things wrong, or he, he says facts as facts that we know are wrong. Like, uh, we could point right. to several examples, but um, we're trying to keep the oh, focus. Of it's narrow. The, the these citations of the unreliable narr- narrator have been well documented in reference to the adventures of yeah. Huckleberry Finn. So, um, that said, uh, I started to think. If you assume any any of a couple of things, and it sort of doesn't matter um, which of the things you assume because the theory works either way, you could assume that uh, as an unreliable narrator, Huck is um, just making up a story uh, and... Um, You know, he, he's just fab, pure, purely fabricating. Purely fabricating. Woof. Uh, <laughs> and just sort of, um, you know, in, in which case he's just pulling the details that he wants to be in there. And that would mean that he would want there to be a beautiful, you know, slightly older than him young woman named Mary. Or it mm. could be that if we assume this is a real event that has happened to Huck, um, 
that we that like he's sort of there was a person a, a you know a, a woman a young woman who was this age but who's to say that she actually was you know beautiful and and redheaded um and huck's not sort of painting over her the archetype of uh, a person that that he would actually like to see so he's perhaps describing this mary in terms of the other mary and who knows maybe uh uh you know i i mm-hmm. forgot how i was gonna end that sentence but he's inventing this this mary concept yeah, exactly right it just, you know and then and then even remembering her so in so this character is named mary jane and we already have the precedent of uh you know by the time that that huck uh uh leaves the the woman he stayed overnight with in chapter six like she's calling him like sarah mary whatever mm-hmm. and then a bunch of other names so like we have this precedent of Mary as a fake name added on to another name. So who's to say that uh, this right. this young woman's name isn't actually just Jane? And, um, mm-hmm. you know, Huck just decided to remember her as beautiful and get, add the name Mary to her because of a quite different Mary that he's enamored with. Um, and he does... It, the, the last mention of Mary Jane... Uh, that this character, the the Mary Jane character, uh, in this section, um, he calls her the best girl I ever see, and had the most sand. And I think sand in this case is like intelligence, grit, uh, uh, that yeah. kind of thing. So, uh, pretty pretty complimentary of this Mary. Like, and I think it's it's been a while since right. I went back through that section. I think if you go through it, it's pretty clear that. Either Huck or Mark Twain has a crush on this particular Mary. Um. Right. Right. Well, and you're so you're tying this into the concept of Huck being Don Well, I, I am about right? to get there, so yeah. don't get too far ahead of me. But oh, okay. But go ahead. Okay. I'll, no, I'll let okay. I'll let you get there. I'll let you because explain it now. Um, as as usually happens when. I tell my wife she's incorrect about something. Uh, I was slowly talking myself into agreeing with her. Because now I thought, is there another great work of literature, uh, in fact, a great road novel or a journey novel, um, in which we have an unreliable narrator who has a crush uh, uh, on a woman who may or may not exist and may or may not if she does exist be the same woman or two to three different women um and of course as anyone who listened to our don quixote episodes uh uh will recognize um that sort of skeleton description also fits right over uh the don quixote de la mancha um and right so uh what the conclusion that I've come to based on all of these premises is that uh, Mary is made up, Huckleberry Finn is Don Quixote, um, mm-hmm. and uh, all of the things that Huck does, uh, 
because he, you know, his his journey very much mirrors sort of the the knight errant idea, the, the idea of setting out to find adventure where you know where it where it might uh, where you might encounter it and and sort of going with with the flow. Uh, um, you, but but every knight errant needs, of course, uh, a damsel or a, a patron, someone the that they're doing all of this yeah. for. So clearly, the subtext um, that Mark Twain definitely intended is uh, mm-hmm. that Huckleberry Finn is a knight errant, and he's doing all of these these deeds. He's trying to impress Mary, as in Tom's sister Mary. Uh, and if he's writing, you know. If he's if we if we assume that he's writing this or telling this um, story to someone, if he knows it's going to be published and find its way back to Tom's sister Mary, uh, he can't sort of blatantly say like, "Hey, Mary, I have a crush on you, and I did all of this for you." So he has to to sort of, of hide it in there, and that's where sort of the Mary Jane thing uh, comes in. Right. 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 It's deflected a little bit. Exactly. You know, what I love about this theory uh, is that uh, it, it stems, I think, from something very deep in Huck Finn's character, and that's his uh, inferiority complex, uh, oh. especially when related to Tom Sawyer, because when to, to hear Huck Finn talk about it, Tom Sawyer is the adventurer. He's the one who goes out and does these, these marvelous things and, and goes off and, uh, you know, hunts for treasure and everything, and Huck Finn is is often in comparison in his own eyes, just kind of left in the dirt, right? Um, In one instance in particular, I think this is, you know, conclusive proof uh, of your theory's uh, weight, and it's right about in the, like, towards the end of the middle paragraph of chapter three. Um, He's uh, he's out with with Tom uh, on adventures and things, and Tom tells him they've got diamonds and treasures and things to dig up, and uh, Huck says... I didn't see no diamonds, and I told Tom Sawyer so. He said there was loads of them there anyway, and he said there was Arabs them there too, and elephants and things. I said, why couldn't we see them then? He said, if I weren't so ignorant, but read a book called Don Quixote, I would know without asking. Oh there, my there's gosh. direct reference to Don Quixote within this novel, and it's tied right into the inferiority complex of Huck Finn, so he does have to go on this adventure to prove himself, and he to prove himself he needs uh, that that uh, damsel uh, to prove it too, right? Um, both both his inferiority complex and the co- concept of an unreliable narrator, like that's that's right, right there on the page there. Absolutely, the, are the diamonds there or not? Uh, right. Yeah. Right. Yep. Absolutely. So this this is a fascinating theory. Uh, I think there's there's a lot of weight behind it, and I think a lot of research papers could be written. Um, yeah, probably just by theory. verbatim transcribing everything I've said, including Honestly, all, all the us and the ums. Um, it's probably the best way to do it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, I'm going to take the reins now and uh, present my theory that uh, I, I I don't. I don't want to exclude your theory here because I think all these theories are valid. I think there's a dovetailing of these theories uh, in that aspect of the unreliable narrator and the inferiority complex of Huck Finn. 
um, that's, that's tied together here, his need to go on an adventure of some kind. Um, and so the theory that I want to present to all of our paper writers out there, and here's where you can, you know, start the hit that button to, to transcribe word for word onto a word document, whatever I'm saying. Yeah. Huck um, Finn. The best way to do that, by the way, yeah. is to you, you need two laptops, one playing our <laughs> podcast and the other with the like automated, you know, transcriber feature enabled on. A, right. Right. On a Speech word to text. Yeah. Thing. Yeah. That. Um, yep. And just like put them face to face, you know, like they're making out and then um, hit play on one and, and start on the other. And record on the other or this, whatever yeah. that button is. Yeah, yeah. This is just an expanded version of what you said, but I thought I'd, you know, just give some tech advice to our, yep, our listeners. Sure. We, we, are, we are nothing if not the tech advice podcast. Um, I did already so... say we weren't Darknet Diaries, so that <laughs> might mean we're an unreliable narrator, but whatever. Oh, oh no. Um, all right, so no, the, the theory goes that Huck Finn is a serial killer. Wow, okay. Well, you're going to have to back that up. I will. I will back this up. <clears throat> Huck Finn is uh, on a murderous rampage throughout the course of this novel, and it begins with the widow Douglas, uh, along with many others uh, after there. It's it's a it's a sociopathic murder spree. I think you can conclusively uh, diagnose Huck Finn as a sociopath, um, and the the narrative that he produces here as an unreliable narrator. Going, giving this in first person here, he's covering his tracks, more or less. But he, he he's doing double duty here in covering his tracks and justifying his actions in a lot of ways. Um, because like other sociopaths, he's proud of his work. Uh, and so it's it's there, and you can find it. And he is, he is tickled to think that you can find how he has accomplished these things. Um, he he can't help but uh, let these let these hints drop. Uh, he it, and also uh, like other sociopaths, he's he's very charming, and he's very charismatic. Uh, and I, I I have to to relate this to uh, Lolita by uh, Vladimir Nabokov um, with uh, Humbert Humbert, that unreliable narrator. Um, and the the whole context of that book is that uh, he's on trial. Um, and is presenting his defense testimony. Uh, and he, he lets it slip, you know, how he was a terrible, awful, horrible human being who abused this 12-year-old girl uh, and ruined her life. Um, but he puts a spin on it. Um, yeah, um... Huck Finn is, is a little bit different in that way. You know, he's, he's letting these hints drop, uh, but uh, is, is still... Uh, putting it under the guise of this adventure narrative to pro present uh, himself as the adventurous uh, sort that uh, he thinks he ought to be and he thinks the world wants to see. I am uh, and both, the murders are in service to that. I am both glad and a little bit chagrined that you mentioned Lolita already because I was preparing a real good zinger about you having just plagiarized your own uh, English senior thesis paper and just like <laughs> changed all the all the proper nouns and, and just uh, kept going but uh, you, you kind I of mean, you kind of pulled out the rug out from under me on, on that one so 
Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, that's that's something that someone could do, too. You know, they just go back and find my senior thesis paper and just, you know, do a control H. And every time it says Humbert, Humbert, just put in Huck Finn. Um, and that works. Um, so I, I've been pretty sure that, like, on all legal fronts, we're just fine so far in this episode. Until you said that exact set of set of sentences. I feel like this may now be entrapment. <laughs> no it's fine it's like the okay. difference between describing violence and inciting violence um but yeah yeah it's okay there's, there's yeah it's it's there right <laughs> right right uh well i want to set the scene for um these 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 murders at the beginning of the book huck finn is uh discontented right he's right. been put into a home that is is not ideal for him now most sociopaths psychopaths we think of um come out of you know abuse at least in in hollywood terms you know uh, which huck finn necessarily isn't necessarily there but uh, I mean, he is being restricted above and beyond what he he wants you could right? even yeah that that's true but you could even say that the sort of the abusive past is there once you get into the stuff with pat finn yes uh, we'll, we'll we'll get to pap in a, in a okay, minute okay okay but um yeah that's that's i mean that's there so sure. he's he's got this background that's that's troubled already setting him up for failure in terms of uh of society's um mores um but uh so at the beginning he's he's living with the widow douglas uh and he just wants more and at the end of chapter one um you can already see how morbid huck finn is uh, it's it's the entire page three in my um, Dover Thrift edition of, of Huck Finn here. Right. Uh, right at the top, he says, I felt so lonesome. I almost I most wished I was dead. Uh, the stars was shining and the leaves rustled in the woods, ever so mournful. And I heard an owl away off hoo-hooing about somebody that was dead. And a whippoorwill and a dog crying about somebody that was going to die. And the wind was trying to whisper something to me and I couldn't make out what it was. And so it made the cold shivers run over me. Then away out in the woods I heard that kind of a sound that a ghost makes when it wants to tell about something that's on its mind and can't make itself understood and so can't rest easy in its grave and has to go about that way every night grieving so he goes on in more or less the same um sense and you get the idea that huck finn is is hearing all of these voices so to speak i'm not going to say he's schizophrenic but i won't eliminate that possibility uh but he he's he's bombarded by this morbidity that he needs to address and needs to uh fulfill in some way the the last paragraph of that chapter says i sat down again all shaking all over and got out of my pipe for a smoke for the house was all as still as death now and so the wood widow wouldn't know uh, and that, I think, is foreshadowing, because she hasn't died yet, but that's foreshadowing the murder of the widow right there, that he is already uniting the thoughts of the widow and the dead house. And so she is going to die in this house before he uh, leaves and runs off with Jim. Um, so that's 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 where 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 it all kind of starts in in this this book um it as you go on you you see some of his religious discussions um and he he has a, a pronounced disinterest in uh salvation or in heaven 
um, which is it's obviously a sociopathic tendency uh, to, to be disinterested uh, in in salvation in that way. Um, disinterested then, in um, the consequences of your of your right in the consequences actions. exactly yeah. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Uh, the, the thought that he, what he does could result in punishment doesn't matter to him. Uh, that's that's clearly clearly sociopathic. Um, obviously, in your wife's words. <laughs> um, uh, so then the the next point I want to hit here, the point of, of, of uh, support for this theory uh, comes in relation to Pap because Huck then uh, comes to interact with with his father, uh, who's a drunk. Right, uh, and and prone to to drunken rage, um, and it's it, it's written almost comedically, which which uh, hints at a sort of um, callousness toward the the violence that's mm. already present, uh, and perhaps at some of the tragic past of of Huck Finn here uh, within this novel. But uh, I, I want to propose something about. Uh, Huck Finn's father, and that's a trope that's common um, in in a lot of uh, media. And it's it's the it, it's in, if you look on TV tropes, it's called the Mad Oracle or the Junkie Prophet oh, sure. TV trope. Um, you know the the one who is who is so uh, doped up on whatever um, drug or or substance that uh, they become prophetic. Uh, they they speak in in terms higher than normal human uh, uh, understanding, uh, and this comes at the end of chapter six in Huck Finn, the final paragraph where Huck is interacting with his father, and uh, Huck says, "By and by, he that is his father, Pap, rolled out and jumped up on his feet, looking wild, and he see me and went for me. He chased me round and round the place with a clasp knife, calling me the Angel of Death." And saying he would kill me, and then I couldn't come for him no more. Um, so here's the the prophecy that uh, that Huck will become the angel of death, which in fact did become in the 20th century a term for a serial killer. Oh, yeah. um, there was a serial killer known as the angel of death who worked as a nurse uh, in various hospitals and would uh, euthanize uh, people within those hospitals. Um, and that that uh, that uh, killer um, thought he was doing a service to his victims, or at least said he was doing a service uh, to his victims. Um, but uh, I I I think uh, we can see that uh, that connection here uh, amongst serial killers uh, and that term of the angel of death. That here Huck is being uh, prophesied as uh, an angel of death. Um, I don't want to belabor the the concept of the timeline too much sure. uh, within within this this discussion here, but suffice it to say, uh, Huck kills the widow Douglas. Uh, he probably kills uh, uh, many many other people uh, along on this murder spree. Um, you know the 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 various people he meets. Jim becomes more or less an accomplice uh, to the murders as as they go, um, and. Uh, uh, Perhaps an unwitting uh, accomplice. I, I I think Jim might be innocent in a lot of these cases. It's 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 a little unclear uh, as far as that goes. Um, but uh, he 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 lets it slip uh, here on um, it's on page fifty four in my edition, which is um, perhaps about the middle of chapter um, thirteen, uh, and he's talking about uh, who is it, the king and the duke. 
Is that, is that right? King uh, and Duke? Sorry, what is what is the question? Is that is, is that is that what they're called? Oh yes, the King yes, and Duke? yes, yes. And, okay, okay, they have. I wanted to make sure. For whatever reason, it didn't sound right in my in my mouth. They but, have other yeah, okay. names that they go by, but that's probably the most common. Right, they're they're con men, yeah. right? Uh, and they invent these personas but, but for even, themselves, and and even within the text, they have yeah. other names. But those are just in yeah. like discourse about Huckleberry Finn. I think they're usually referred to as the King and the Duke. Okay, okay, yeah. So, well, it's in that context of of the King and the Duke here. And Huck Finn is is recognizing them as the criminals they are, which is also a little bit of a sociopathic theme here that um, someone who is a sociopathic murderer would recognize the criminality in others and therefore elevate himself above them in in a lot of cases, which which Huck Finn does. But he also humanizes them um, in in a in a a fascinating way which puts huck finn uh kind of above and beyond all other uh serial killers here and 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 sociopaths uh so here right about the middle of chapter 13 um jim manned the oars and we took out after our raft now was the first time that i began to worry about the men because they had marooned them they they'd uh essentially let them adrift i reckon i hadn't had time to before to worry about them I began to think how dreadful it was, even for murderers, to be in such a fix. I says to myself, there ain't no telling, but I might become a murderer myself Uh yet. And then how would I like it? So they're letting on this this attitude of of a little bit of sympathy there, which, um, to go back to the theory of the novel as a defense testimony, here's Huck presenting this defense testimony that... uh, uh, obviously people are going to find the bodies or, or report people missing uh, on this murder spree. Uh, and so Huck Finn is going to be noticed as the link uh, amongst all these people. So here's his defense testimony uh, that he is sympathetic, right? Because if he's sympathetic, uh, he can't be this sociopathic serial killer. So he's he's pre- presenting this, this empathy idea. But really the empathy is kind of falsely placed. Um, because he, he's saying empathize with these people who might be murderers so that it's all self-serving so that you empathize with me. Um, that's, that's really what the, the whole concept is. Um, and that's, that's, that's the, the play out of, of this, this whole book. And as we've already remarked, he's a, he's an unreliable narrator. So anytime he, uh, he presents something as an absolute truth. You have to second guess it. You have to doubt it. Uh, you have to ask, is that really the way things went down? Because this is the testimony of only one witness. Uh, and there are others like, for, for, for example, Jim uh, is, is a witness to this, this murder spree. And so let's, you know, see what he has to say, see what others have to say. But in this novel itself, all we have is Huck uh, and his presentation of the others also. Uh, so he is, he is this, uh, this murderer, uh, and, uh, and he has gone on this spree that has, uh, driven many people to their graves, an untold number. Uh, it's unclear from just this narrative itself, which I think is a fascinating concept for, uh, Mark Twain to have done, uh, at that time to have presented the, the testimony of a serial killer, 
uh, that we don't even know. It's you know it's a murder mystery in a lot of ways, but we already have the murderer. The mystery is how many murders were there, right. uh, and that I think is left open to a lot of debate, and that's that's where a lot of discussion could be had. Right. Um. So I see we're drawing up on our time. I was just curious, uh, if you ha- so you you've made an assertion about you know a string of murders that Huck has has clearly uh, right committed and. Um, it would take a much longer podcast to um, sort of prove each of them individually or as many of them as you thought you could. Uh, I was just wondering if you had an example where uh, you thought like in sort of a a between the lines or or sideways way that Huck was confessing to a specific murder or implying that he did a specific murder. Hmm, you know, that would be a a good uh, place to start, I think, uh, for anyone writing such a research paper. Um, you know, it's not a long book. I, 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 I'll, I'll leave this up to the, the student um, to, to go through and, and read it with the assumption that Huckleberry Finn is a murderer and find, as you read through these 200-some pages... Uh, and find that conclusive proof uh, of uh, of where where is a murder that that Huck committed. Find that in 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 between the lines, unless you have an example. No, I I don't. But I appreciate what okay. you've done here, which is to uh, uh, sort of crowdsource the support for your uh, your thesis um, by hoping. Honestly, peer review is the best way for uh, things to, to be. Yeah, supported. and that is exactly what you've described just now is is how peer review works. Um, it's where yeah, you, you exactly. make an assertion and other people read a text assuming that you're right about your assertion and then prove that you are right. Um, th- right. And that's what that's, that's what peer review is. That's right. That's right. Uh, <laughs> Uh, did you have any other thoughts on uh, on this theory, your theory, any theory about uh, about Huck Finn at this point? No, I think your theory is quite compelling. Um, I've always thought that okay. there was like, and this gets talked about sometimes. I mean, there's obviously generations of scholarly discourse about Huck Finn at this point. This gets talked about sometimes that like it's a much darker novel than some of the structure and the and the jokiness mm-hmm. of it or the, the, the folksiness of, of, you know, Huck telling everything in dialect. Like, it's a much darker novel than some of those surface, like, bells and whistles would have you believe. Um, mm-hmm. But that said, uh, it, it has always seemed like there's there's something, you know, it, it, it always has seemed like there's something that Huck's, not telling me or or uh or is covering up um i've I've always had that sense like he he says uh in the the small portion of the first paragraph that i didn't uh quote earlier um you know huck huck says uh mark reference to the adventures of tom sawyer that book was made by mr mark twain and he told the truth mainly there's things which he stretched, but mainly he told the truth. Uh, and then the last, oh. the very the very last couple clauses of that opening, uh, again, Tom Sawyer, mostly a true book, with some stretchers, as I said before. So in the, in the very opening of this mm-hmm. book, he admits that the previous book uh, 
has some stretchers and he goes out of his way to like say it twice which is just a very like yep uh uh pretty suspicious thing and so what i'm saying is like i i think mm-hmm. the thing that i've been missing is that uh huck finn is a serial killer who's who's done a done a murder road trip right um and i mean you know if you go back to your like la mort Tour, your your actual mm. like high middle ages slash renaissance era um you know chivalric uh uh romances the stuff that inspired don quixote like those guys are going out and cleaving guys in half on behalf of their their mistress their damsel or whatever so like uh, sure so here we're seeing that these theories are not mutually well that's exactly exclusive. what i'm saying in fact i think they fit together like two puzzle pieces in that mm. just the same in the same way that huck couldn't admit that um you know everything was for tom's sister mary that he had to sort of disguise that or stretch that to use his own terminology um mm-hmm. that he has also covered up these murders that he committed in order to impress tom's sister mary um right and whether right. he'd tell yeah. mary that there they were murders or whether he'd disguise them in some ways closer to the text of the novel at hand that's that's a completely different question but i think i think our two theories right. uh actually weirdly enough in a way that we definitely planned um that they fit together they, quite well they yeah. mesh absolutely absolutely it occurs to me here too that you know it's very early in the novel that uh you know huck finn um talks about the the six thousand whatever that uh that he got at the end of tom sawyer right you know they earned all that money yeah 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 um or whatever and later on he says something um i'm not gonna find the page number right here right now but um Jim and he had never seen so much money in their life, and it was something less than six thousand. Um, which is, you know, on the surface, it's just another instance of him being an unreliable narrator. Right. That here, you know, he's he's never seen that much. Well, obviously, he's possessed more. Right. But the purpose, the purpose of an unreliable narrator's unreliable narration, uh, is a question here, and it's so that he can procure sympathy when he not he wants to, and admiration when he wants to right right uh both positive things if he's got the money he's being admired if he doesn't have the money he's being uh sympathized right. with yep. right um so he's 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 procuring uh the attitude towards him that he wants to have towards him as you know he's committing these murders he's presenting himself as the victim as he's going on these adventures he's presenting himself as the the object of desire uh that uh that uh he wants mary to to consider right. him as so yeah you're right they, they fit together yeah. very well uh i do feel like we've pretty thoroughly assassinated his character at this point but like absolutely well i mean we can safely say at the end of this podcast that huckleberry finn is a despicable character so um that's uh that's the conclusion yeah here. yeah um, um I Which think. is, I mean, is a little bit unfortunate, but I don't know. I've been. It is. Re- I've been rereading Tom Sawyer, uh, for a secret. Off and on for fourteen. Well, years. also that, but wait, what? Um, why would you call me out like that? Also, I mean, I think I first read it when I was like eleven or twelve, so more like twenty years. Um. Mm. Uh. But I'm still mad at you for that. I sometimes forget how old. Yeah, you are. I know. It's, anyway, yeah, it's like 
it's like the the personal version of the fact that uh the other day i told my boss that something had happened uh roughly a hundred years ago and she was like no not a hundred years ago it would be it was it would be like in the 1920s and then i just kind of stared at her as the realization slowly dawned that uh like me she would have to make peace with the fact that a hundred years ago was no longer the 1890s um uh but anyway yeah no i was rereading tom sawyer more intensely than usual for a secret project that may or may not ever come to fruition um but it was occurring to me as i was read like especially the opening chapters of that tom's just a jock like (laughs) this is this is a novel where the the hero is the quarterback of the football team like that's who Tom is. Well, and he's... that's why you know Huckleberry Finn is the the nerdy outcast who is envious. Right. Of no, him, I was right? thinking about that when you when you were saying that because that dynamic absolutely is is there, and it it like I'm not the only thing I will be mad about if it results from this from this podcast is if some like Hollywood type listens to it and gets the idea to recast like Tom and Huck as you know high school characters from the 90s or or now (laughs) because like it really is that dynamic of like the football captain who's like popular and charismatic already on disney plus (laughs) i've i've said it and it somehow reverberated back in time to the disney magicians uh and i'll go upstairs and be able to watch it right now um but because because it is that dynamic where like tom's the tom's the quarterback of the football team and he's got all the like popular kid charisma and uh uh stuff and that but then Mm -hmm. like there's that symbiotic relationship because huck is like the loner outcast with an edge who like that that guy the the tom guy wants to be friends with because that's like the shadow side of of himself um right and like they both sort of get things from each other but but Especially the the Huck side of that equation definitely has some insecurities about the relationship as well. Mm-hmm. Um, definitely. Which uh, leads me, because I, I have to change the subject because I was almost starting to do like a good analysis of, of uh, these two books. Um, <laughs> what do you mean a good analysis? This I mean, this has all been a good analysis. I don't know what I was saying. Um, but uh, it leads me to... Uh, say or to have to mention as i do anytime either of these books comes up in any context these days um the movie band of robbers which i believe uh is still on netflix it was the last time i checked um it was an indie movie from uh, a few years ago um uh featuring some actors whose names i can't remember the only the only name i can remember is melissa benoist um who plays uh supergirl oh, okay. or, or did yeah supergirl um it was before she was she was supergirl famous but uh as as a, a grown-up becky thatcher um and huh. uh it, it it's it's a it's sort of a modern retelling of the like sort of both books like it pulls from both books um but it sets it in roughly yeah. you know an early 21st century uh south and um which which like you know seems 
bordering on the thing I just said that that I the the concept that I just said about Tomahawk that I despised, but the the writers I think it was, I want to say it was two brothers. I I should have done any research I guess before uh, talking about this film, but I want to say it was two brothers who wrote and directed it, and the way that they did it, the way that they like modernized it but used the source material was actually brilliant. It works really well. Um, and despite all of the change in settings and so forth, I call it the most faithful adaptation, film adaptation of Tom Sawyer and Huck Finn that I've ever seen. Because they change awesome. all of that stuff, but like the themes and the story and the the way that it that it that those themes like work in a modern context, all of that is so good. Um, hmm. But what I was what made me think of it is uh uh. The, the the very beginning of the movie is sort of a grown-up Huck Finn, you know, he's maybe mid-20s, uh, gets out of prison um, because, you know, this the, the Huck Finn character in a modern context would end up in prison like that. Seems right. Um, of course. And he gets out of prison, and, and the first person to greet him out of prison is his friend Tom, who is a cop. And it's like... Like of course. to make like that that's part of what I what I'm saying about how, how well they like understood the source material in modernizing the story. Because like the modern Tom Sawyer would absolutely be a small town cop in the South. Like that's exactly who he'd be. Especially when uh-huh. he once he'd grown up. Yeah. Um and then of course Melissa Benoist plays uh uh Tom Sawyer's new partner, Becky Thatcher, who is a very like earnest by the book type um mm-hmm. and I, I promise i'm only giving away stuff that's within in like the first 20 minutes of the movie but uh it's yeah, one of yeah. it's one of those rare movies that i have probably watched four or five times and periodically go back to like i don't do that with very many movies <laughs> but anyway i'm going to have Absolutely. to check this out i've thought of before and here i am pitching it to you for the first time ever i believe live on our podcast but i've thought of before uh either for a special episode or like a like a patreon donor episode not necessarily doing a live commentary but like just doing a special episode about this this film at some point Mm -hmm. uh but yeah anyway that's all i have to say about that yeah great Awesome. Well, thank you for that. Uh, so, gentle listener, please, um, especially if you are, you know, in an American lit class and have uh, papers on Huck Finn due, uh, consider uh, taking these theories that we've brought uh, and and presenting them to your professors, especially your the stuff from the first hour or so um, of the of the podcast. The stuff in the last ten minutes is pretty pretty much just us rambling about stuff. You don't want any of that. Nah, you don't want that. You don't don't turn that into your teacher. That's that's garbage. But the rest is gold. Um, so uh, yeah, take that to your teachers. Uh, and then uh, in the meantime, uh, look forward to our next set of episodes in which we will be discussing Babbitt by Sinclair Lewis. Uh, so read along with Babbitt. Uh, give us your feedback. Go to the contact section of tapestryradio.org. Uh, put Scotch Talk in the subject line. That'll help us discover uh, what you're talking about. Uh, find us on Twitter at Room with Scotch, uh, or on Facebook. Find us in the Tapestry Radio Tap House. Request to join that group, and we will uh, let you in uh, unless you are a serial killer or Don Quixote. Um, 
And as this episode has proven, we will do your homework. Uh, we don't promise always to do it well, but we do condone plagiarism, so you can take all of this verbatim uh, and submit it uh, to your professors, and that would be great. We approve of that practice because we think it's funny. Uh, so just go to our, our, our website if you have any other homework, uh, tapestryradio.org slash scotchcast, uh, and fill out the form at the top of the page there to submit homework, uh, and we'll do our best uh, to do that homework for you uh, so you can turn that in. Uh, and if you like this podcast, check out other shows on the Tapestry Radio Network, like Intermission, our backstage drama podcast, Us Play Fiasco, the actual play fiasco RPG improv podcast, Freddy Goes to a Pat podcast, the book discussion of the Freddy the Pig book series, and Pokemon Rollout, the actual play Pokemon Tabletop United RPG podcast. Uh, rate and re review us and all the podcasts you enjoy on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. Uh, since we don't pay to advertise, that's the, the best way others can learn about us and enjoy this same content and get the same A's that you receive uh, if you want to share those A's with your classmates or just friends. wait until uh ethan where can they find you say, just just wait until yeah. after um you've turned in your award-winning a paper and then tell them about it afterwards so you don't have to that way we get publicity and you don't have to share your grade right so right i can that be found too. on twitter at bartlett that's at b-j-a-r-t-l-e-t-t -T. um i think that's everything very good. I am on Twitter at M-G-L-I-L-I-E-N-T-H-A-L. Uh, and with that, until next time, gentle listener, just remember, it's our party and we'll cry if Mark Twain makes us. He does. He always does. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Bye. Obscurantism and obfuscation. Orally observed, gentle listener. Gentle listener. Gentle listener. Gentle listener. Obviated objects of oblivion. Obambulating about. Offered unto you. Offered unto you. Offered unto you. In the Tapestry Radio Network. Tapestryradio.org. From, From our, our fancy, fancy to yours. To yours.